bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Football Friday here on Birch 365, the first in-season football Friday. I guess we're not in-season with the Eagles yet, but we're in-season with the NFL because it got underway last night. We're going to talk about that, the Eagles and the Patriots. A lot to do over the next two hours with your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, even though Johnny Mac is going to exit stage left uh, for hour number two. Got to get over to South Philly, get some more info on the upcoming Eagles and Pats games. Nice to sit in front of the TV and watch football right now, last night, right, Johnny Mac? Yeah, it was uh, uh, sloppy, but it, yeah, it's nice to get the game back. Uh, Kadarius Tony, oof, oof, oof. I mean, that was that was an embarrassing performance for Kadarius. You know, to the point you start there. Is he shaving points out there, Jody? <laughs> uh, but uh, I think it was a big win for Detroit from a confidence standpoint. I think they're a good team. They didn't play well either. I mean, I mentioned, I think, yesterday on the show, I'd, I'd be disappointed in that team if they lost without Kansas City not having Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. Well, they should have lost if Kadarius Tony could catch simple passes, but they won, and I think that has a, a, a chance to sort of bolster their confidence because it's a young team that hasn't done it before. Right. Uh, they haven't won at a high level before, and I think they have an opportunity. I think they're going to win that division pretty easily. Uh, I think they're going to be a playoff team, and that helps them because if you beat the team with the reputation of the Chiefs on the road, I think that helps. From and a- although the Eagles will never use the word, sorry about that, I'm going to use the word because I think it is part of it, there's a little luck involved in sports. And when you face off against the defending champions – and they're missing their second and third best player. That had nothing to do with you. You didn't no. do anything about that, Detroit Lions. No, no they've got a contract uh, negotiation ongoing, and you got a little injury right before the year starts for the best tight end in football. That's just good luck. And you have to cash in the chips on good luck when it is handed to you. And that's exactly what the Detroit Lions did. But yeah, Patrick Mahomes could sue for lack of support from last night's game. Tony was the worst, but he had other balls dropped. They were just dropping balls left yeah, and right. The receivers were terrible. 
Oh um, man. Yeah. And it tells you, I mean, too many people boil it down to quarterback versus quarterback. I talk about it all the time. Well, that was Patrick Mahomes against Jared Goff. You need some help at some point. And uh, yeah, this kind of stuff happens all the time. But yeah, they, they, you know, without Travis Kelsey, they're a completely different team. We talked about their ability to handle, and I was surprised I gave him a lot of credit, the loss of Tyreek Hill. Uh, but you still had Kelsey. Not without either of them, oof. I, I, that's all you can say. It was not good. Um, and those those kinds of players matter, uh, to say the least. And I know Eagles fans are probably wishing Kadarius Tony could have had that kind of game in the Super Bowl. You never know. What the, I mean, I mean, that's just bad football. Now, maybe it's sloppy being week one. I mean, but that's a that's a good player. I now. You know, I, I hated that pick for the Giants at the time. Um, I didn't think it was a very good draft pick, and it didn't work out for the Giants. But yeah, um, he's got talent, and he was just terrible. I mean, there's, uh, you know, all you can do is turn the page on that. And if you really want to read into it, read R E I D into it. Andy Reid plays these guys in preseason. We, 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 from time to time, question, is it the right way to do it, the way the Eagles do it, putting the guys in bubble wrap for preseason, only worried about joint practices, one of which they lost this year. So three full practice. That's it. The Eagles base their entire preseason on three practices. Again, two, uh, <laughs> two against the same team. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yet, guess what? The Kansas There's going to be some sloppiness in Foxborough as well. Um, and we've already I'll, seen I'll it go, with the Eagles. I'll go out on a limb and say not even Quez Watkins is going to cause uh, drop three balls, one of which is going to be caused. Not like that. Not like that. That's yeah. And and Tony, you mentioned yeah they practice more than most. They still do, but he he was banged up, so he didn't practice a lot specifically. So maybe that had something to do with it. But yeah, I mean, I don't expect anybody. Forget about uh, Quez Watkins. You could go down to the practice squad and uh, bring up, uh, well, you know, Greg Ward's not going to drop it, mm -hmm. but bring up anybody. They're not dropping. They're not dropping three balls like that. I mean, and one turns into a pick six. You know, the 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 last drop, he, he makes that catch. They're already in field goal range. They're probably going to win the game because uh, they have a very good kicker. So, yeah, I mean, he killed him. He killed him last night. And, it's rare you can hang a loss on on one specific player. You can you can feel pretty comfortable hanging that loss on Kadarius Tony. And oh, by the way, the 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 one late was huge. But earlier in the game, this is one of the things I always uh, harp on when it comes to evaluating players. But you you got to remember the exact uh, situation if you're gonna put a, a lot on one play. Patrick Mahomes threw a pick six last night. That wasn't on Patrick Mahomes. That no. was on Kadarius Tony. Goes right through his hands to a defensive back who takes it to the house. Uh, two weeks from now, four weeks from now, a month and a half from now, two months. It's, oh, Patrick Mahomes threw a pick six game one. Yeah, yeah, he did, I, but he hey, didn't. You're in my wheelhouse, man. Everybody's like, they look at the box score and they say, oh, Dak threw a pick six. Watch the play. Right. Sometimes it's on the quarterback. Sometimes it's not. Um, certainly that was not uh, on the quarterback. Um, 
And, it, you know, on, on the other side, you know, Brian Branch, a, a good young player, you know, people say a month from now, well, you had a pick six. Well, it was a get. It was yeah. a get. Presented um, to him on a platter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge context guy. I'd love to hear you say that. Yeah. Anybody who saw that knows it wasn't on Patrick Mahomes, but it's on his record. Right. And it will never change. Um, and the other thing about last night, call it sloppy, call it what you want. And it doesn't matter now, but as we say, I was sitting here watching the game. I woefully disagreed with both coaches late in that game going for it on fourth down. Yeah. What the hell was you know what bothered me, Jody? Because I, I like Dave Fipp. Um the early going for it, it, it backed up on the fake punt. Well, that was a little and the bad. whole the whole freaking broadcast, and I rarely listen to announcers, so but I'm gonna complain about the rare time I'm gonna complain about announcers. They're saying, Oh, what a what a decision by Dan Campbell. Now he's the head coach, I get it. But come on, mention the special team score. Do I mean come on? At what at some point in the 75th time you're playing sycophant for Dan Campbell, who I like. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's fun. I think he's honest. I I like him as a as a motivator. But come on, that's Dave Bibb. Give him some credit. Give him a, some hat tip and acknowledgement. Right. Because, you know, that's an issue for me in Philadelphia. He was a great special teams coordinator. You know, he, he, he gets his team. And I got big questions about the special teams on this team. So I wish Dave would have got some love. Here, I agree with you. Um, it is on the head coach. Because if it works, he's going to get the majority. Oh, yeah. Not all, as you're pointing out last night, according to the answers. It was all the credit. I'm with you. You got to mention the special teams coordinator. But if you get it wrong... It's going to be on the head coach, too. You take that chance, you don't get it. Mahomes sticks in the end zone two plays later. What the hell is Dan Campbell thinking? Not what the hell play did Dave Fipp call? No, it, it is about the head coach, but the coordinator should be part of the conversation. You were right about that, and I thought that was nervy, and I did like it. But in the fourth quarter, you can't give the ball back to Mahomes there. You can't go for it on fourth down. You got to try and punt and pin him in at the one yard line. And, and oh, by the way, you don't get it. All he needs is a field goal. You go for the field goal. Now you're up. You at least got to make yeah. Mahomes score a touchdown. I thought that was a terrible decision by Campbell. And then Andy Reid gets the ball back. Two minutes ago, incomplete passes. He's uh, a penalty. He's looking at fourth and 20. He's going to go for it. They jump offside, or uh, the lineman comes up. Yeah, to where I, yeah, that guy was jumping. Twenty-five. They gave him another chance to make the right call, and he still didn't. He still went for it. What was Reed thinking? You got um, all three timeouts left. You got to punt the ball. You got to try and pin him back. Then you let Mahomes with not much time left, but some time left, try and pull off his magic if you can get a stop. That's the new NFL, man. That's that's um, from from well. From Detroit's perspective, uh, you, look, you're trying to win the game. You know, you got to, you know, Patrick Mahomes is on the other side. And again, one play. If Kadarius Tony makes that catch, that was right after that. If he makes that catch, I think that was the second play after that. If he makes that catch, they're already in field goal range. They're going to lose the game. But I, I don't, they're trying to seize the moment, trying to win on the road against the reigning Super Bowl champions. 
And that's what they do. They're very aggressive and that's their mentality. And that's sort of what they usually do. Now, Andy, yeah, that's not typical Andy way of doing stuff. Uh, you know, all I can say is they know how Detroit plays. So, um, you know, Ben Johnson's going to go for it on fourth down if they have to. They're going to come up with uh, wrinkles and do some innovative stuff. And it's going to be very difficult. Remember, you only got to get 10 yards and four downs. So game's probably going to be over. And he's got Patrick Mahomes, and he took a shot. And by the way, he was almost there. He almost did it. Uh, but again, those receivers were so awful. Um, all of them. I mean, to Tony first and foremost, but all of them. Um, he almost, you know, if that's Justin Jefferson out there, they could burnt that. Um, but they don't have Justin Jefferson out there. Um, so I get it. But, yeah, it's obviously a low um, uh, percentage play. I mean, even with Patrick Mahomes. And But if it were, you know, the backup, if it were Chad Henney, who the heck is their backup now? Chad, Chad was banging the drum. I don't even know who their backup right. is. But, you know, he probably he's probably not going to do that, and he's probably going to play the percentages. But with Patrick, you know, you take yeah. a shot. But here's the problem. He didn't have Justin Jefferson to put in that game. Or A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith, who is still going to be Kadarius Tony and Watson. And I, so I, no, I did not think he was converting fourth and 25. I yeah, had a, an issue with both of them. And sure enough, they don't get on fourth and 25. Lions get eight yards on the first two downs. Uh, can't see use their timeouts. And they go Montgomery up the middle. Just like blatantly up the middle. Why do I think Chris Jones would have made that stop? It just pointed to the fact that Kansas City yeah. was playing handicapped. I'm not. I, I'm, that, that's an. Um, I'm getting too on. Uh, this is this is very rare for me. But again, they made David Montgomery out to be some kind of star. They better get the ball to Gibbs quickly because that guy's got no explosion whatsoever. I think his longest run was eight yards. Yeah, he's physical. He can move the pile two or three yards. And their offensive line is great. You know, Detroit's offensive line is, they're not, they're right there, top five with the Eagles. Um, it is a really good offensive line. But yeah, David Montgomery, he's got, he doesn't have much left. I, I don't, I, I thought that was a bad decision by Brad Holmes. It, it, you know, Gibbs will be fine. It's a matter of how much traffic can you give them. And, should you have taken him at 12 overall, but yeah, David Montgomery trading for Williams. I, I don't like that. And, and Oh, by the way, here's the thing about Gibbs and Gibbs showed some burst last night. He's got some serious speed. He also likes to play physical. And he's not that big. Yeah, I, I don't have, like that. I have concerns that yeah. he's going to have a uh, somewhat of a shelf life in the NFL. He's yeah. an undersized guy who likes to drop his shoulder and just take on contact. Uh, if they're going to use them the way they used them last night, then you're probably going to be fine. If they do, like John is suggesting, make him the lead back and make Montgomery the change of pace when you need short yardage, pound it in the middle type guy, it will probably be more effective, but you may end up putting Gibbs in, in some danger. I'm a little scared about his. That was uh, a Jalen Rager level performance. by Actually, it was worse. I can't even say that. Jalen never played that poorly. Yeah, he never had three drops in one game that were, and each and every single one of them seemed to get more important than the next. All right, uh, what did you learn yesterday over in South Philadelphia, John? 
Uh, what did I learn? Did I learn anything? Brian Johnson learned... say anything that uh, lent any light to uh, what to expect against the Patriots come Sunday? Well, uh, Michael Clay kind of, well, I guess he had to, not that there was any doubt, um, said, well, you kind of know the non-confirmation confirmation, um, which, but it still left a door open to punt return. And it was interesting because they were returning punts uh, at practice, early in practice when we were allowed there. And the first guy to take uh, a rep all by himself was Britton Covey. And I'm like, well, uh, all right, Britton's going to be the punt returner. There's your two elevations, uh, Aaron Sipas and, and Britton Covey. And then when the rest of the punt returners came, they give reps to Alameda Zacchaeus. Um, Devontae takes reps in case they need a big punt return in a big situation, um, which they've done in the past and will do again. Um and who am I missing? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Greg Ward was another practice squad guy, obviously taking reps. And Quez was taking some reps, which you don't want that happening. Quez punt returning? Really? Yeah. I, I, I do not know why this team – he, he is not – like I'm – I think you're too harsh on Quez as a receiver. I'm fine with Quez being the third receiver on this team. Well, I don't want here's why, defend. and I'm going to defend myself here. Here's why I'm hard on Quez. Quez had a bad year last year, plain and yeah. simple. Bad. It, it, not Kadarius Tony bad, but pretty damn bad. And, oh, by the way, when you call yourself elite, you better be damn well elite. Well, that was, no that, was, that was that was that he's ever elite. So I stand by my Quez shut up and play stance on the Eagles third wide receiver. Well, I that was a dumb statement. But he also admitted he had a bad season. So you can look at it both ways. He also admitted uh, he, he didn't play up to the standard that he, you know, needs to. And, and then he called himself elite as he built himself back up in the off season that was in training camp you know i can't criticize a guy for having confidence although that was a dumb statement you don't say that but anyway oh, bigger I, term I'm not, I'm not calling him on a cop for but you set the bar so guess what i'm now going to hold you to that bar if, well if it, yeah if that that's your bar factor to say that this is what you're going to do okay now go ahead and do it i'm going to be paying very close attention quest well yeah i mean he's not going to reach that bar uh, we could both agree on that. But uh, as as far as, and not only punt returner, he's never returned a punt. As a kick returner, he returned kicks, and he was bad at it. Uh, because, you know, there's, first of all, there are two different positions. One, the kick returner, you need, um, you, you need to be able to break that first tackle. You need some power. Uh, and then you got to get up to your long speed as quickly as possible if you get to the open field. Now he's got the second part of it, but when he gets tapped, he's going down. So he's not a good kick returner. Um, punt returner is different. You need the short area quickness. It's like a slot cornerback. You know, you need to, and you need to make the first guy miss in a different way, be shifty, and then get going. Um, and he doesn't have that. Uh, again, he's got the long speed, but he can't get there to get the to get up to 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 full RPMs. So I don't know why the Eagles keep, and they don't. I mean, they he's not returning kicks anymore, and he's not going to return punts. But I don't even know why they're even wasting reps. But anyway, I digress. The larger point is, 
when they all came together, Alameda was still taking the first team reps uh, as the punt returner. He's on the roster. Britain isn't. Um, but I get in the locker room and the indications are that Britain's going to be the guy. So there's still some uncertainty, um, at least a little bit when it comes to punt returner. Um, but I think at the end of the day, prediction wise, it's going to be, it's going to be Britain Covey. So those are going to be your two elevations, Aaron Sipos and, and Britain Covey. And the elevations are fine. That's within the rules. But somebody's got to sit. You got to cut this roster down. You and I went through it yesterday, and it ain't easy. That's a good thing that isn't easy. That means the Eagles have a good deep roster. But uh, some guys going to be disappointed when you're elevating guys from the practice squad. That means guys who made the 53 are all pumped up. They're Eagles. They don't have to worry about elevations. Oh, unless, of course, you're deactivated and someone yeah. from the practice squad is Well, activated. that's why, you know, I, I don't want to pick on people but there's certain you know there's certain guys you know who are not going to be active and 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 probably number one on that list because of the depth of the position um and he's also you know had a recent concussion is moro ajomo like moro's not getting no he's not dressing there's nothing wrong with that he's a rookie seventh round pick you have all this depth i mean yeah it makes sense and and that's you you know, red that's, shirt them all that's, year. That's one. Yeah. Yeah. But my they, point, they, they my... got to come up with, if you've got two elevations, 53 down to 46 is seven plus two is nine. Morrow and Jomo one. You got to come up with eight more guys, Johnny Mac. No, I, I understand what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to, to and then I hear somebody ask Morrow, is he fired up to, for his first NFL game to be on the field? And I'm like, uh, come on, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on some self-awareness so yeah that's all i was bringing up moro yeah you got to make you know i i i they're not dressing four tight ends we talked about yesterday i assume it's going to be albert o not dressing because he just got here but uh you know maybe they think he's that much better than grant calcaterra you got tyler steen versus suo pata uh on the offensive line one of those guys is not going to dress uh Contavious Street versus Marlon T. I would think it's New England, so I I think it's Street because you need the run defender. But who knows what the Eagles are thinking? The young corners, Goodrich and Ricks. I mean, yeah, they're not they're not they're not going to be core special teamers by all indications. So they're probably not going to dress. It's probably going to be a redshirt situation there. Um, yeah, and then running back is interesting because. Are you going to dress all four? Because it looks like Boston's a kickoff returner. Right. So the only so, then you got to dress all four is, is Penny, who could potentially see inactivity. Yeah. Um, you didn't put Ringo in to the mix of the young cornerbacks, and for me, he was the worst young quarterback, at least prepping for the season. Know his draft status. Get that. Do you think he's going to be that good on special teams that they'll say, all right, we know we're risking. If Bradbury goes down, if Slay goes down, we're putting an inexperienced guy who hasn't shown he's ready to play on the field from the line of scrimmage in the NFL. You think they're ready to go there just because he might be a better special teams player than either Goodrich or Rich? I think they are. Um, Is it the right decision? Yeah, he was the worst of the group of cornerbacks. Um, playing cornerback he was even worse than Makai Gardner 
um, on the practice squad. Like of that four, that foursome, he was right. the worst playing corner. But he's got the highest bet. Obviously, he's not getting cut. He's got the pedigree. He's got the long-term ceiling. And they do think he's a better special teams player than Ricks and Goodrich. Um, and, yeah, Michael was talking about him. Um, now, Sidney Brown is going to be the other punt gunner um, opposite Josh Job. That's where I thought Ringo would fit in. Would you rather have a backup gunner or a backup corner? I'd rather have a backup corner. But then where you go? I mean, let's be what honest. What do you mean? For, for gunner? No, I'm saying would you on game day, would you ever rather have a backup gunner or a backup cornerback? I'd rather oh, yeah, take yeah. my best backup cornerback. Um, but I don't know if either of those guys are ready to play either. So, yeah, I would say Goodrich, if you force me, he's the most ready to play. He's the most ready to play. But is he ready to play? <laughs> I don't – I can't say that definitively. How many snaps did he get from scrimmage last year? Goodrich? Yeah. Zero. He None. was on the practice squad. He didn't uh, – was he elevated? Was he elevated for any games? I'd have to double check. I can double check in the break. I don't think so, though. Yeah. I don't think yeah. he was. So the only advantage he has is he was part of the team. Might maybe not playing part of the team, but practicing part of the team yeah. at the edge. And just from board. watching practice, he looks the most comfortable um, to play. But yeah, can he play at, at this level? Um, I don't know. All right, John, um, this is a question I know you can't answer, so it's kind of an opinion question more than what you've observed type of question. Hassan Reddick is going to play on Sunday with a massive bandage slash club on his hand because of the operation that he just had on his finger. You know the defensive ends, guys who are in trying to get the quarterback in line, they're not going to be handling the football, so you can get away with playing with a massively bandaged hand but you still got to be able to use your hands and trying to move off defenders and the like do we have any concerns that not that he's going to re-injure himself because they're going to uh, bandage that thing up and put plaster on it and he's not going to get hurt using it maybe as a weapon in the game on sunday but do you think it has any effect on his play i think it tells you that no matter how cute uh the defense coordinator wants to cut, try and get, I don't think they'll be dropping him back in coverage, which you do every once in a while to try and keep oh, the other curve off. Yeah. Yeah. Every uh, once and in I'm while. okay with that. Uh, then you get to hear people. Oh, see, he's a linebacker. Cause if no, he's not a linebacker. He's an edge player, but every once in a while, he's going to drop back in coverage. Okay. Not happening this week with that thing on his hand. Do you think that has any deterrent to his ability to uh, play on Sunday? Well, uh, not play he's playing i mean play uh, is he playing right. effectively um yeah that i mean hand hands are hand work is a big part of pass rushers um mm -hmm. and the fact that he's not able to grab and and we got to see you know what this thing looks like is it going to be a complete club then i think it affects you a little bit more uh especially early uh, I remember Jason Pierre-Paul was a great pass rusher, had that club for a while, and he wasn't the same player until he kind of figured it out. Um, and then he figured it out, and, and it got better and better and better. So I do think there's a chance 
especially early, that it affects him somewhat. Um, I don't think he's going to turn into a bad player, um, but I do think it affects his his playing style until he kind of figures out what he can do and what he can't do. We shall see come Sunday against the Patriots. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. JM's going to run out of here in about a half an hour. Got to get over to South Philly for uh, media responsibilities. But when we come back, the Mac and Mac guys are going to get on the record about this upcoming season. Spoiler alert, neither one of us is going to have the Eagles out of the playoffs. But uh, <laughs> will they be winning the division? Will they be advancing to the NFC Championship game? Who's going to be company when they get there? We'll give you seasonal predictions coming up next here on Birds 365. passionately go fearlessly go confidently go, <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with first trust philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the philadelphia eagles we're focused on getting you over the goal line so go with conviction go with trust go and go forward with us by your side first trust bank the official bank of philadelphia dreams oh and go birds fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles It is Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jordan Mack with John McMullen. Hey, if you want to do a solid before the season start, you got to do a lot. 
to prep and get ready for a upcoming season. You guys too. Get used to hitting that like button. Everyone just just throw a little, little like. Hit that like button every once in a while. If you're gonna be tuned here every morning for some of you, most mornings for a lot of you, uh, we're gonna try and deliver the eagle goods for you. So deliver us some goods. Hit the like button, like, share, and subscribe if you get the chance before the season gets underway. All right, Johnny Mac. Let you and I get on the uh, record for the upcoming season. Some preseason predictions. More Eagles noteworthy than anything else, but we should pick them all because, uh, yeah, the Eagles are going to have to face somebody from the AFC if they're going to get to the Super Bowl. The team they got beat by, they got beat last night in their season opener, the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid going down. All right, uh, let's do AFC first, then we'll work our way over to the NFC. Give me your four divisional winners and your three playoff teams, wild card playoff teams in the AFC. I, right. I got a much better feeling about the AFC than the NFC. All I right, really yeah. think I know all a lot of good, teams in lot the of AFC. Good, a lot of good teams in the AFC. I, you know, I'll start with our old friend down in Jacksonville because I think that is my most definitive division winner. That's how I describe it. If there's any team that I'm going to guarantee wins their division, it's the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. So uh, Doug Peterson um, back in the playoffs. Um, as far as the East, yeah, I'm all I'm all in on your club and a motivated Aaron Rodgers um, who wants to prove the Green Bay Packers wrong and you know one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I think there's plenty left in the tank. I think that it's going to be a special season for the New York football Jets. Um, Jalen Hurts was once uh, the highest paid player in the history of football. He's now fourth. <laughs> Joe Burrow, the latest to take over the number one slot. Um, he's great. Um, um, I think it, it Cincinnati is going to win the North. Um you know, overreaction, right? First game. Um, but it's not an overreaction to the first game. Um, even though I dislike Brandon Staley, I, I, I keep going down the Chargers route because I'm such a big Justin Herbert fan. If the Chiefs play this game with Chris Jones and he sits out eight games, which is his plan, or, or the eighth game he's got to come back, I forget if it's eight, or nine. Um, I, I don't think they're winning that division. I, I think they're winning. They're, they'll be a wild card, but I don't think they're winning if they play eight games without Chris Jones. So I'm betting that's the case. He's proven he's going to sit out. He said he's going to sit out until he, he has to, to get that year towards free agency. Um, if he's not there for essentially half the season, um, they're not winning that division. I'll go with the Chargers. Um, and then wild cards. Uh, Chiefs are, are one of the wild cards. Buffalo and Baltimore would be my – and that is a very deep group of teams, I would add. Um, I'll start in the East. Even though I'm a Jet guy and um, thinking that they could be back in the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years – wouldn't be surprised if the Bills end up winning that division. Doesn't mean that the team can't advance come playoff time. And, oh, by the way, week one, Monday night, after the Eagles and the Patriots done on Sunday, 
Monday night football. You got uh, both New York teams in the night action. Sunday night, Cowboys, Giants. Monday night, Jets, Bills. Jets at home. If they want to win the division, they got to win the opener. And they might. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get that nervy right off the bat. I'll give the Bills the division, maybe even in a tiebreaker. Jets make the playoffs as a wild card. I, too, have the Bengals, same as you. Ravens making it as a wild card. Jags, easiest pick them of all to win the Central. I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. I, at some point, Chris Jones is going to come back. At some point, Travis Kelsey, and probably next week, is going to come back. Not only don't I have the Chargers winning the uh, that, that division, I don't have the Chargers making the playoffs. I don't have the Chargers finishing in second place. I think the Broncos under Sean Payton will jump up and finish second. Not good enough to make the playoffs, but I see a drop-off for the Chargers. I'm not a Staley guy, and yeah, I think Herbert is a little overrated. I don't think he's a top five quarterback in the league. So I'm going to pick the Chargers to be about a 500 team. I think they got uh, nine nine wins written all over them. That's not going to be enough. My last playoff team is going to be the Miami Dolphins. They'll be the final wild card team to get in. Jets, Dolphins, Ravens, your three wild cards. And the Dolphins could actually make it to the Super Bowl, much like the Eagles did last year, uh, excuse me, two years ago, making it just as the last. They get to uh, rest their players in the last week. You know, I'm a Tua guy. I think any one of the three teams from the AFCs could actually end up in the Super Bowl. But I'm going to put uh, Bills uh, as the top team, even though the Jets will make it as a wild card. Who are the two teams who will be playing in the championship game in the AFC, Johnny Mac? Uh, it's going to be uh, Joe Burrow's Bengals against Aaron Rodgers' Jets. And I just spoke up about uh, Aaron Rodgers, and I think he's going to have a special season. But I am picking the Bengals to win the AFC okay. championship game. So I think that's where it ends. And that's very good for the Jets, as you can attest, Jody. Uh, but I don't think they're going to make it over the hump. Um, I think it's Cincinnati's year. I think they've learned from that. Sometimes you got to go through it. You got to get to the doorstep and things happen. They've already been to the Super Bowl once, but, um, yeah, I think, I think this is Cincinnati's year. So I'm also foreshadowing my ultimate results. Okay. And I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to talk about a safe bet? Chiefs being in the conference championship game, they've only done it five straight years. Why not make it six? Despite last night's loss, Travis Kelsey's going to be back. They'll eventually get the Jones thing done. Maybe they even get it done this week because Bosa they got better. Signed. They better get it done. Oof. <laughs> like Bosa got done yesterday. Burrow got done before the season. We'll see if the Chiefs can get it done before next week's game. They got an extra two days to do it since they played on Thursday night coming off a loss. That probably did not hurt. Chris Jones's chances of the fact that they lost the game last night. So I'm going to say Kansas city against the New York jets. And we've already seen Kansas city lose a game at home and it might not even be home. It might be at the uh, MetLife stadium, you know, jet life stadium at life, according to Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I got the jets in from the AFC NFC. I'm more up in the air. I'm not, I really do like my seven teams. I think my seven teams, you're, you're higher on the Chargers than I am. I have them out. You have them winning a division, but I like my seven teams. I'll be honest with you, John. I'm kind of up in the air about the NFC. I got three teams that I really like coming into the season. Eagles, Niners, 
Seahawks. The Lions may benefit from a little luck last night, so I got to put them on top of their division, but I don't think they're going anywhere near a Super Bowl. So I'm on the fly making this up as I'm going with my NFC teams. All right, give me your four NFC divisional winners and your three wild cards. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident of the NFC playoff teams, except for one, except for the last one. And I'm going to go a surprise with that. But uh, um, as far as uh, I do think the Eagles will win the East, but it'll be very close with the Dallas Cowboys who will be a wild card team. You're probably talking 12 wins for one, 11 for the other. So, you know, one game could tilt it the other way. I think it's that close, but I am going to default to the Eagles. Um, Cowboys being a wild card team. I think you saw the Lions, not that they're great, because I don't think they played that well. I was a little disappointed, to be honest, on how they played. I thought that game was handed to them, and they it was a little bit too difficult. Um, but I don't like anybody else in that division. Um, and Minnesota's taken a, a large step back. Um, and, and, and boy, maybe it's because I've been burned, Jody, but. You know, I, I, I joked, you know, well, when Brett Favre left Green Bay, they're screwed. <laughs> they got better at quarterback. Um, they're not going to get better at quarterback this time. But I think Jordan Love is better than people think. I think he's learned. I think it's, you know, he's comfortable. This is my surprise. They're going to be a wild card team. So really? Lions and Packers are coming out of the north. I got the Saints winning the south because I got to pick somebody. And I think they have the best defense, although Tampa Bay's is very good as well. But I just I, – I can't pick Baker Mayfield to make the playoffs. Um, 49ers will win uh, uh, the West, and I think the Seahawks are pretty clear uh, wildcard team. So my one surprise would be – I think one surprise would be the Packers as a wildcard team. Yeah, well, you and I are very similar. Um, Eagles are going to win the East – I think they'll win it by a minimum of a game. And if you said, Jody, it's either going to be a tiebreaker or two, I would go more to two than I would a tiebreaker. I, I don't think the Cowboys can win as many games as the Eagles can. Um, but I think the Cowboys will make it as a wild card team, not necessarily the top ranked wild card team, but a wild card team. Uh, Lions will win that central. You know, I'm a Justin Fields guy. He's going to keep your Packers from making the playoffs. I don't have quite enough nerve to pick them as a wild card team. I think they're going to finish second at division. I think they go by the Vikings and your Packers. See, here's the problem with Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love could get hurt. You're sitting on that sideline for a couple of years. Uh, you start taking a pounding. Yeah, that and and the uh, it, believe me, I know it's a, it's a shot in the dark. But I I just and I it's like more it. about it's... the respect of of the organization than anything else. I you know, uh, but I do think he's more just from seeing and we know what preseason means. But just from seeing him a little bit in preseason, he looks more advanced than people give him credit for. And I think you know maybe sitting and learning helped him. But yeah, it's a shot in the dark. It's nervy. I like the nerve of it. I'm just not sure you're going to be able to cash those chips. Saints will win the South, although I think the Falcons have a chance to be above 500. And above 500, if you're 9-8, and eight, 
That's got you in the that mix going the into week 18. Yeah, that could win you there. I don't like the way they build that team. You know that. I, I just don't like their organizational philosophy. I don't think they do it right. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm biased because I watch how the Eagles build their team. Um, I just don't like it. I don't like how they build their team. It's it, there's no foundation to it. It's all it's all sizzle. Where's the stake? I I think they're okay. I think getting the safety from Cincinnati was a smart move. They needed a guy like him. I'm just Desmond Ritter is eh. He's not bad. He's not great. Is he good? I don't even know if he's good. But if he's not, then they'll go another direction next year. But um I, I'm I'm that's a bad I think both the Panthers and the Bucks are gonna be bad. So you take advantage of them. You win at least three out of those four games if you're the Falcons. You get a split against the Saints. Before you know it, you look up, you're eight and eight going into week number uh eighteen. So uh, 17, 18, whatever. Uh, so they'll be in the mix. I'm not going to pick them to make the playoffs. 49ers win the division. Seahawks win uh, a wild card. So it comes down to, as you said, you got the Packers as your last team in. I, this is about as boring as it gets. You want to, you want to, you want to say, yeah, real creative here, Jody. I think Giants are going to get a wild card. And that means the exact same seven teams that made the playoffs in the NFC last year are going to be the exact same seven. No, teams. because you didn't pick the Vikings. So, oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Who do? Oh, I got the Lions, Lions uh, beating yeah. the Vikings and the Saints replacing the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not the, the no, seven not same, the same teams. Oh, then I feel much better about my yeah. picks. I thought I was just stone cold boring. I do have two new divisional champions. Although I think most people in the world are picking the Lions and the Saints to win that division, and I'm getting in that line too. Um, yeah, that's the two teams. And I've been saying this all offseason, John. It's the Eagles, it's the 49ers, and then comes the drop-off. Believe that all along. I think Seattle's number three, not Dallas. But I think the big drop-off is between one and two, so why would I pick anybody be in the championship game? other than the 49ers and the Eagles. And that's what makes that game in early December so huge. The team that wins that game will be hosting the NFC Championship game. Yeah. If the Eagles beat the Niners here first weekend in December, once again, same exact matchup, NFC Championship game, Eagles 49ers. Um, yeah. Um, I don't necessarily disagree that much with your thought process. And it comes down to who's going to have home fields uh, because I actually also have the Eagles and the 49ers. And I got to tell you, Jody, uh, it might just be because uh, it's hard to do it back to back because I think the Eagles are a better team. I think they have a much better quarterback, um, but I'm picking the 49ers. And I picked them to start last season. So I'm probably going down the wrong routes. Um, something's going to happen last year. They had some bad luck. Maybe the Eagles have some bad luck. We, we don't, we're throwing that word around that nobody likes, but it's true. Um, I just, it's so difficult. Uh, I think the Eagles would be on the cusp. Uh, maybe it's a revenge game for the 49ers. I can't imagine them coming here. And winning, though. Um, so they got to figure out a way how to get that number one seed. And maybe it's winning 
even if they lose here. Maybe it's winning more uh, and being able to do it in a different way. But I, I just I have a very difficult time going back to back with anybody that doesn't have Tom Brady. Um, so I'm picking the 49ers. All right, so you got 49ers, Bengals in the Super Bowl. I'm all green, Eagles and Jets in the Super Bowl. And the one thing I will say about you, there's going to be, if John McMullen is right and the 49ers are in the Super Bowl, I don't think this is going to be a, uh, damn, why am I just sotsing out on the Baltimore quarterback who went to the defense who was an announcer on ESPN forever after his life, who's not doing it anymore. Trent Dilfer. This will not be a Trent Dilfer-led 49ers team going to the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy's going to have a big hand in on the 49ers going to the Super Bowl. A lot of Brock Purdy haters here in town that if he goes to the Super Bowl, they're going to have some splaining to do because, you know, I like Purdy. I just think the Eagles are a better team, and I think that the NFC Championship game here could be a really fun game with Hurts and Purdy going up and down the field, and both of those teams scoring a bunch of points. could be a great NFC Championship game. Um, but uh, you, you're not going down the road that the 49ers will make the Super Bowl despite Brock Purdy, are you? No, I'm not going down that road. I seriously debated the Cowboys and the 49ers in the championship game uh, it, because it could go, you know, in a different – as I said, I think the Eagles and Cowboys are going to be right right next to each other the whole season. Um it, it it's not it's not even about it, it for me it's about the odds really I'm I'm playing the odds I'm uh, I'm 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 more worried about the back to back and the human nature aspect I agree on paper the Eagles have the best team in the NFC so they should be back on paper but we all know this game isn't isn't played on paper so I'm kind of playing the human nature odds for a lack of a better phraseology but the Eagles certainly have a chance. Um, but I got to pick somebody, so I'm picking the 49ers. And so you think the Cowboys will be even with the tiebreaker? That the division will come down with a tiebreaker? Well, I think it's a 12 win team versus an 11 win team. So ultimately, you know, if you can find it, might be an injury. If you can find a way to get that extra game, I think they're going to be that close in the standings. Um, I think, you know, something can shift it. Um, for either team, um, because yeah, I, I, I think more of the Cowboys than you do. Um, I think Rob did Rob pick him. The oh yeah, Super Bowl? oh yeah, he's got yeah. him going to the yeah. Super Bowl. Um, I don't, Rob I don't Mott, know. If he, in case you're wondering, right? It was Rob Motti who was here with us yesterday. Yeah, Rob Motti, my buddy. Um, yeah, I think the Cowboys are a good team. I think they're a good team, and I think, um, you know, look. You, you know the issues with the Cowboys. The owner's going to get in the way. He's already in the way. He's not asking people about Trey Lance. He's trading for a backup quarterback. He's not using people as a sounding board. There's a lot of issues with the Cowboys. But talent is not one of them. Um, they're a really talented team, easily top five in the league. Um, so from that perspective, yeah, they're going to be involved. And um, yeah, I think they're going to be very close to the Eagles. And if the right injury happens at the wrong time for either team. It could affect uh, the race. Yeah. I don't think they're a top five team talent wise in the league. 
Um, I think there are five teams in the AFC that are more talented than the Cowboys and two teams in the NFC that are more talented than the Cowboys. So that pushes them down. Let me ask you one Cowboy question before we let you run. I see Mark Farzad ready to jump in hour number two. Were you in Minnesota when Mike McCarthy was calling plays for the Green Bay Packers, when he was the head coach who was actually calling plays for Green Bay, or were you here in Philadelphia already? Uh, no, I, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Mike was a, Mike was a good, Mike was a good coach. No, 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 no. I didn't ask you about his coaching. I asked about his play calling. Was Mike McCarthy a good play caller in your estimation? You had those games, matchups, Viking ends at the Packers. Did the, the Vikings, uh, give respect, have some fear of Mike. Oh McCarthy God, yeah. play but, I mean, it, it's kind of hard because the fear was Aaron Rodgers. That's base, that's that, that's what I'm trying to get to here, Johnny Mac. Which was it? Was it Aaron Rodgers or was it Mike McCarthy? Play oh, always, and I get it. The quarterback's got to always he's got to perform. But was Aaron Rodgers that good that anybody could have called plays for him? Or was McCarthy and he in a good spot in a place and? Do you think his play calling helped Aaron Rodgers become become what he became? I think he helped Aaron Rodgers become what he became. Um, then when he became what he became, if that makes sense, he got the hell out of the way, like a smart coach will do. Um, I always, you know, one of my biggest criticisms of Chip Kelly is that Chip would never want a quarterback like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady at the time. I would, I, I wrote, I remember writing. Uh, he wanted, you know, hey, run what I say, run what I do, run the RPO. Like he doesn't, he he wouldn't want somebody orchestrating things from the line of scrimmage. So I think Mike McCarthy helped develop Aaron Rodgers, and then when he developed, he got the hell out of the way. <laughs> and I think that's what you should do um, when you have a quarterback like that. And I think that's what Nathaniel Hackett does, and I think that's what Matt Lafleur did. Um, so. Um, All right, so let me ask you this question. What does he do with Dak? Dak's not Aaron Rodgers. Dak's not young, learning Aaron Rodgers. He isn't, oh, my God, look how good Aaron Rodgers is. Let me take a step back. What does he do calling plays for Dak this year? Well, I think they have talent, similar to we talked about it here with Brian Johnson versus Shane Steichen. I think Brian's going to be fine because the Eagles have so much talent on offense. Now, is it you're going to – you know, it's kind of, it's hard. I'm very aware, and I say this all the time, and I said yesterday on the show, we do not judge play calls. We judge play results. Judge, sure. I'm very cognizant because I've talked about it a lot with Doug Peterson. Um, I'm very cognizant of understanding. I don't know what the design of the play is. I don't know who made the mistake. Now, I have the luxury of going back and asking these guys about it, and Doug's very honest. Sometimes I call, I had a great play call on, and somebody blew a block. Nobody knows it. You never get in the play. It looks looks like a disaster. And sometimes he said, I got a shit play call on. And one of the guys picks me up. I mean, and the result of the play defines, oh, what a great play call. By that. Might be a shitty play call and vice versa. Um, so I'm very cognizant of that. Um, but when there's a quarterback like Rodgers, and Manning and Brady get out of the way. If you don't, you're bad. That's all I can say. So here's uh, we go in full circle. Is that good enough to get the no. hell out of the way? No, no, okay. it's not that. That's good. why I don't have the Cowboys as a threat to the Eagles. No. 
because I don't have faith that Mike McCarthy will elevate that. He will make Dak Prescott in what, his eighth year? About his eighth year? He's going to make Dak Prescott any better? I don't believe that. Uh, that's why I don't. No, think I, I think Dak, uh, one of the issues with Dak, Dak's a very good quarterback, but uh, he had too many turnovers last year. Now his history, you mentioned, large sample size. His history is he doesn't turn the football over. So last year, I think, was an anomaly. I think it'll tighten up. And I haven't watched every uh, – we just talked about with Kadarius Tony, and I know I got to run. Thanks, Mark Barzetta, again. You know, you got to watch every one. Are they all his fault? Well, I guarantee they're all not his fault. How many are his fault? How many are on him? How many are poor decisions, poor throws? You got to look at all that kind of stuff. But his history tells me he's he's not the guy who turns the football over a lot. So I don't think that's going to continue. Uh, we shall see. And oh, by the way, the whole we judge results thing. If you're going to give a, a guy calling plays an out after the fact when a player doesn't come through, then Jonathan Gannon could have been right this week when he uh, wrote off those two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And not my fault. We had it. We had it designed correctly. Somebody just mentioned he threw a player under the bus. Well, the players he, make he, the plays for you, or the players don't yeah. make the plays for you. That well, is, he, you're he tied did, to the players and how they play on every single play. He, he did, by the way, he told me early in the process: blown coverage, zero blitz. One was his fault. One wasn't. That's what he said. The zero blitz he made a mistake on. But fans want the blitz. He said he made a mistake with the zero blitz. Now, the blown coverage, they were doing that. I said it all year, Jody. They did it better than any Fangio team, the communication on the back end. That's the most important thing of a Fangio defense. They blew the coverage. It's always about players first. Always. 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 Always about players first. Even a guy like Belichick this week, who the Eagles will be facing off against, you're as good as your player. You can only elevate him so much. And I don't know that he's got good enough talent. You got the Eagles winning on Sunday? Uh, I do. Similar. They're going to out-talent the Patriots. Very similar to last season, week one to Detroit. I think it's going to be more difficult than the fan base probably thinks because there's not a ton of talent, especially offensively right now in New England. But uh, I think it's going to be more difficult than people think because of the environment. But they're just so much more gifted i think they make a couple plays they win the game by the final score of we got to get john uh, i haven't even done a final score so i'm gonna go i'm gonna say 27 23 eagles okay so right at the number it's a four point number it's magic like i didn't even from, know went up from three and a half to four uh, not I helping people i say the eagles win and cover last year they averaged 29.1 points per game i'm gonna round up and say they score 30. 30 20 Eagles over the page. Nice. All right. Uh, safe travels over there. Safe travels to New England, buddy. I guess you'll be with me here. Yeah, everybody's gonna have to tune in Monday to find out what McMullen's travel yeah. plans are. It's all are, travel, it's all travel related. All travel related. We'll see. It's we always shall good. see. All right. Uh, Mark Farzett is gonna join me coming back next hour, and Paul Domwich is gonna join us coming up about 20 minutes here on Birds 365.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety covering green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. joins me uh, johnny mac's got to run over to south philly from uh, media duties um we shall be doing it uh basically for the next hour because i just got a text here you want to hear this one farzetta what do you got um from uh paul domwich uh today can't do it got some place to be at 10 should have given me a heads up <laughs> I was told that uh, he was going to be a regular contributor on the show on Fridays. Uh, he's going to be doing a stat pack for jacobsports.com. And uh, we thought that uh, Paul Domwich was going to join us. Apparently, he isn't. There's hmm. um, a little slippage in the communication uh, for, from us today. So, you and I, for the next couple hours, you watched Kansas City last night? Oh, boy, did I? You know what? As much fun as it would be to be like, why the hell didn't Andy Reid punt with three timeouts? You know, as much fun as that would be, and it did cross my mind. It's like, is it still fun for people to rag on Andy Reid? I mean, he's got two Super Bowls. At the end of this year, he's going to be the fourth winningest coach all time in NFL history. Like, it's fun to question his time management skills still after all these years. But the bottom line is it's worked out pretty well for him in Kansas City. Oh, you can do it if you want. And I did it in the first hour of today's show going, 
fourth and 25. Really? <laughs> You're going to go for it on fourth and 20. Then you take a penalty. So they put you back five more yards and they give you a chance to go. All right, never mind. We better punt and play some defense. And he still goes for it on fourth and 25. So, yeah, you can make fun of every you second guess him because you've got a chip on your shoulder because he went and won two Super Bowls in Kansas City and couldn't get one done here in Philadelphia. The real. Yeah. Has to be right, but you can make even though he's a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame coach. I I expect the Eagles to beat a Hall of Fame coach mm-hmm. on Sunday. How about you? Uh I do. Oh, absolutely. I have this Eagles team winning on, on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, and I have them covering too. And I was uh, I was a little nervous about John McMullen because he almost took my exact prediction. I won't say it just yet, but it was almost okay. my exact prediction. Um, but I just I know you, Jody. You and I have talked about it before the. The Super Bowl hangover thing, the sputtering out of the gates thing, I just don't subscribe to it. I don't think that that applies to this Philadelphia Eagles team because, most importantly, they're too talented. And right after that, they have the second most important thing. They're not going to be a rudderless ship. They are a team that is has phenomenal leadership. And I, uh, this morning on my show, I kind of went down memory lane for a second. And I was thinking, let's, let's think of the last time the Eagles really – had a dumpster fire where expectations were huge and it was a dumpster fire. And really you got to go back to the last time they lost a Super Bowl, and they had all the expectations in the world. Another year of T.O. Everything was going to be great. He fought back, battled back, playing that Super Bowl was the best player on the field. And then everything at the fan in that off season leading up to the following season. And literally you have the fight in Atlanta and everything hits the fan. I don't think this Eagles team has it in them to have any type of ego battle. And I know there was a little one that for whatever reason tried to start up between AJ Brown, team Brown or team Devonte Smith. And who's the guy, you know? And I just, I, I love that the players just squash that. Like, dude, no one's even thinking of that. Like, stop. So I, I think this leadership is going to be the biggest difference between the team having a Super Bowl or teams that have Super Bowl hangovers and teams that don't have Super Bowl hangovers. And I think this Eagles team will not. Here's one of the questions. Very, I, I've got questions about the Eagles. They're few and far between, but I do have a couple. Yeah, sure. And yeah. One of them was kind of hypothetical, I guess, is a way you could describe it. Okay. They got lucky in that uh, the most talented player in last year's draft dropped down to number nine. And they oh, were yeah. able to call out his name because of issues that he had off the field down in Georgia and then the overstay, overanalyzed pre-draft workout, couldn't quite finish all the drills because, yeah, he was kind of out of shape because he was worried about going to jail. Uh-huh. So I understood the fact that he, he flashed and showed some stuff. He just wasn't as top conditioned as he was. All that adds up to him falling to number nine in the draft and the Eagles be able to get maybe the most talented player in the draft. But we don't know if he's ever going to have those issues again. We've seen none of it, no evidence of it whatsoever this year. And again, we're kind of weighing on the reporters who are there day in and day out what we hear, what is being said. It seems like he is bought in, that he has enjoyed the work that he's had with his ex-teammates from Georgia, but also the veteran guys like BG and Fletcher Cox. You got any concerns about uh, the, the Eagles defensive line? Rookie of the year. Some people, Peter King called him rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Everything has been hunky-dory and copacetic. Should we still be on the lookout for something coming up to bite the Eagles in the back? 
other than I've I've been around this stuff long enough to know that like nothing can surprise you anymore. Uh, nothing can surprise me with any young player, any veteran player. Nothing surprised me. But I am I don't consider myself on the lookout for something. I'm not. Oh, a shoe's gonna drop with Jalen Carter. He's gonna do something stupid. I don't have that uh, in my head going around in circles. I don't have that on spin cycle in my head. Uh, and the main reason is because it's not so much what I've heard from Jalen Carter himself. It's what I've heard from everybody around him. And there's a couple of things that I know a lot of people like to dismiss as, well, what, what are they going to say? You know what I mean? But when players and teammates really start gushing over a teammate, it goes beyond the checkbox of say nice thing. Like, oh, yeah, he's great, great worker, great kid, doing a lot of great things. When they say that, I'm like, okay, fine. What are they going to say? But when you hear guys like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson – Landon Dickerson, and then you even hear a tight end like Dallas Goddard, a guy that's been around long enough as well. When you hear those guys talk about Jalen Carter and this work ethic that he has, dedication, love of the game, and then they talk about his physical attributes of like speed, quickness, and strength, like what he has and agility for a man that size, that's where I start to go, yeah, this this kid is all about football. And he threw up, though, the Hail Mary to Howie Roseman on draft night and said, look, I want to be an Eagle. I want to be here and I want to work my ass off for you. And that apparently went a long way with the Eagles in the front office and said, okay, I guess we could take a, a flyer on this guy. But the Eagles know they could fall back on the guys that they're going to have around them. And hearing the veterans and Fletcher Cox being another one, hearing the veterans gush about not only this guy's athletic ability, but his focus and dedication to the sport makes me feel better. Uh, than anything I have seen. Cause look, we've seen guys at college do great in college and then they come to the pros and they're nothing. But a guy like Jalen Carter, I got confidence, is, is A, not going to be a problem, and B, going to be a phenomenal talent for many years in the middle of that line of scrimmage for the Eagles. Yeah, see, I'm going to judge his talent because I saw it for, firsthand at Georgia, and I think he's got a chance to be a superstar defensive tackle in this mm -hmm. league. What do you expect the defensive mates to say? Yeah, you know, he's really good, but he's a douche. Um, <laughs> Second day in a row. I <laughs> really had to get uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't too hard. 12 minutes in to the hour. We no, um, no. no he, of course not... that's what they're going to say. Of course that's no. what Fletcher Cox is going to no. say. Of course that's what Brandon Graham's going to say. No. That's, hey, give, that's me, exactly... give me the guy that uh, – now, a coordinator. He's called a coordinator on the on the uh, carpet before. Give me the guy that Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham has called on the carpet, a teammate, during yeah. their decade-plus no. years here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I, Jody, that's exactly what I'm talking about. They're not going to say, this guy sucks, or yeah, it's, it, that douche they drafted, oh, they messed that up. No one's going to say that. So that's why I am saying you have to really listen to what they say. They're not, th these guys, if they don't like him, if these guys don't think he's going to do a great job, if they don't think he is worth the investment, investment they're not going to emote. They're not going to draw out their compliments and and really go into depth about the, the work ethic and the dedication. Over the top in their compliments. Absolutely. If they didn't like the guy and they just wanted to be nice and they wanted to play the you know the good teammate, right? They would just be like, oh yeah, you know this this kid is he's going to be a force, and that would be it. There wouldn't be this long story about how great and dedicated he is. They wouldn't oversell it. That's where I start. I start listening when they go beyond the normal of like, oh, yeah, good. I can see why you drafted him. You know, glad he's on our team. When they get past the generic stuff and they start really talking about situations like Landon Dickerson did and Jason Kelsey did where they tried to block him or Fletcher Cox has talked about 
his strength there at the line of scrimmage, seeing him shove this very talented offensive line out of the way. When they get into more details like that, that's where I start listening. Because, yeah, anybody's going to give a compliment. But when it comes to this particular instance, it goes beyond the, yeah, he's a really good kid, looking forward, glad he's on our team. It goes beyond all the uh, cliche stuff. And when they start getting more specific, that's where I start paying attention. Yeah, here's where I'm going to wait until I actually see it with my own two eyes. On a Sunday, in an Eagle uniform, in the trenches. Uh, sorry, Jason. Sorry, Lane. Sorry, Brandon Graham. Sorry, anybody who is a grizzled veteran whose opinion I usually put in high regard. Yeah, I got to see it for myself. Absolutely. I, I believe I'm going to see it because yeah. I've got my own evaluation of the player and how good he was on the collegiate level. And his first play in an Eagle uniform in preseason, <laughs> just pushing the brown guy out of the way and chasing uh. the quarterback out of the pocket. Yeah. I believe he's going to be good, but because I believe he's going to do it, I'm going to be able to see any Eagle fans are all going to be able to see it for themselves, not to have to take the word of uh, Jason Kelsey that uh, he's giving them fits in practice and the like. We will see it once they get on the field. What, what, I, what, what's fair? What's, let me just say this real quick. What's fair? What is, what's a fair assessment of Jalen Carr? If he, what, if he is as good as Javon Hargrave in his first year, if he is a step above Javon Hargrave in his first year, what do you think is a fair expectation? He, uh, that, that, that they don't miss Javon Hargrave at all? Like, what's the fair expectation? Here's a fair expectation. Uh, he will not get as many stats, uh, sacks as Javon Hargrave did. Javon Hargrave, grizzled veteran, one of the best pass rushing defensive tackles in the entire National Football League. He will absolutely be better at playing the run than Javon Hargrave was because Javon Hargrave was just very good at it. He was a pass rushing defensive tackle. So I think the Eagles will be tougher to run against this year, which takes us to the next guy, Jordan Davis. This is one where John and I can never get on the same page because John puts more uh, emphasis on, yeah, he takes up two blocks. He makes everybody else better because his stats aren't great. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of tough. You got to get into the weeds and evaluate not only the play on the coach's tape, but what the actual responsibility is of the player on any given down. Uh, I, I have a tough time evaluating Jordan Davis. Uh, John thinks he's great because he always gets two blockers on him. I'm not sure that I can go with that. And I do trust PFF to a, to a point. I think they're good at evaluating talent. I appreciate their ranking system and their list. Sometimes I'm in lockstep with them. Other times I'm going, yeah, well, you and I got to sit down together and watch this tape because I'm not seeing the same thing you are. Um, between the two big Georgia guys, I think the Eagles are going to be a much tougher team to run on defensively. And uh, I'll, I'll have to defer to those who actually do that for a living, breaking down and evaluating film, which one is the, the bigger reason why Jordan Davis or uh, Jalen Carter. Yeah. Um, I am really looking forward to seeing what Jordan Davis brings to the table in his sophomore season in the NFL. I, I think he... In the preseason, you saw him have a similar move. I mean, it wasn't a clean, um, uh, you know, get off when you talk about what you saw from Jalen Carter against the Ravens. But you saw a power move from Jordan Davis against the Jets last year, and that got everybody excited, myself included, where he was able to get through a double team uh, from their offensive line. I need to see that more often. It's not just drawing a defender. It's what you do when you do draw that second uh, defender, or excuse me, that second offensive player. I want to see what happens when he does get that double team on him and see how often he's able to get through that. And the other thing is he only played in 13 games last year. 
Like, so we didn't really get to see all of the Jordan Davis that we wanted to see. And then they get Nicobe, or excuse me, they get Indomitian uh, Sue, they get Linval Joseph, they obviously have Fletcher Cox. And I really wanted to see more. And they had Javon Hargrave, and I wanted to see more of what you could possibly get from Jordan Davis. So this year, it's not just about drawing that double team, which he did. John's not wrong. He did draw a lot of double teams. But I need to see what he does when he does draw that double team. How many times can he get through that for himself? How many times can he win that battle? And it's not going to be often. It is going to be difficult. These are guys that are professionals for a reason. But I want to see how many times he's able to win that one-on-two battle. And not just draw the defender, but or excuse me, draw the offensive uh, lineman, but also open up a spot for himself as well as a teammate. So that'll be the big test for me going into the second season of Jordan Davis. And I think – with another year under his belt, I, I think he will be that guy. I think he will he will be him, as the kids like to say. And if it opens up, uh, get Nicobe Dean being able to get to the ball untouched mm-hmm. and be able to make tackles at the line of scrimmage a yard or two down, not eight yards down the line, yeah, then perfectly fine. Uh, Jordan Davis can do his job to 100% uh, ability and have no tackle whatsoever. It can happen, and... We'll find out if it does for them this year. All right, that's the defensive side of the ball. Well, we still have questions, Mark. Uh, Nicobe Dean, one of them. Zach Cunningham, another. Everyone seems to love Reed Blankenship because he was unquestionably the best safety in the preseason this year. But we're not all that far removed from him being an undrafted free agent who the Eagles gave a $5,000 yeah. sign. We talk about it all the time. And I don't know that you and I have talked about it. It annoys the snot out of me. I they, I get it that there is a relevance to it, but people overstate it, that you are continually judged by where you were acquired in the National Football League, that you are, yeah. if you're a first-round draft, oh, he's got a resume, he's got a, a pedigree. Ex- pedigree, thank you for the word. And if you're going to look at pedigree, Reed Blankenship pedigree is like, a dog found on the street and taken to the pound and you, you took him home because you felt bad for him out of sympathy. You took him from the, but he is outperformed that. And, and he is the Eagles uh, only question unquestioned starting safety. Reed Blankenship got another huge step in him here in year number two. Oh, I, I think so. I mean, I remember you and Joe, uh, you, you and John asking me Jody uh, months ago, most underrated player. Like, who's the most underrated guy? Who's the guy we're not talking about? <clears throat> I said Reed Blankenship. I mean, he impressed the hell out of me. Look, you. I, I love the thing that Tom Brady says. I know we're going to talk about him because it's Patriots Week and all that stuff, and, page, and it's going to be Tom Brady Day. But I love that special they did years ago with uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And, and Tom Brady, I forget the exact number that he was, but it was a six-round pick. And he goes, I was pick number whatever – and any, if you, no matter you're number one, you're Mr. Irrelevant, when you get a chance to be on that football field, you don't blow that opportunity. And that, to me, shows a greater currency of that player's mindset than anything. And Reed Blankenship, as we all know, five-year starter in college, comes out, gets an opportunity to try to make the squad in the preseason. They put the pads on, then all of a sudden he really starts jumping out. Who would have known? A football player with pads on can hit people and does a good job of it. It can really show his true colors. Go figure. But really solidifies his spot uh, on the roster in that third preseason game, playing great. And then he gets an opportunity to play on the field. And who did he get an opportunity to play on the field with? That Aaron Rodgers character. And what did he do? He got him in his book already in his first game against him, intercepted a pass. Then you saw him come up throughout the season. What really sticks out to me about Reed Blankenship is the two times he was in against the Giants, he made two big hits on uh, Saquon Barkley in both those games. So it shows you right out of the gate. The guy, first off, 
we already knew he wasn't afraid to make a hit. You knew that going mm -hmm. into the game. But then it wasn't going to be this kind of thing that we all talk about with uh, Sidney Brown, where is he overly aggressive? Does he put his head down? Does he not see what he's hitting? Or does he have a correct angle on the football? Does, can he make a good forearm tackle? And can he also just flat out throw a shoulder into a guy to knock him off his feet? And he can do all those th things. He doesn't over-pursue. He's got a great head on his shoulders for as aggressive as he could be. If you could shake a little of uh, Reed Blankenship off on Sidney Brown, Sidney Brown would be starting next to him. And hopefully that happens as the season goes on. But I got a lot of confidence in Sidney Brown. Or excuse me, I got a lot of confidence in uh, Reed Blankenship for what he will be able to do in this next season. But you're right. As far as going from an undrafted guy to all of a sudden, don't, don't even bother suiting up in the next uh, preseason, I do find that interesting, but I think that this Eagles team uh, has done a good job of evaluating them, and I think that they know what this guy can bring to the table. So I'm excited to see what you're going to get in year two of Reed Blankenship. And it will be one of the things we will judge Sean Desai on. Hmm. And I might be a little bit more bullish on the guy than than some people. I, well, let's put it this way. Nobody's down on Sean Desai because he's not Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> no one feels that way. But I, I, I have – kind of faith in this guy and think he's going to be a good DC. Um, not because I'm a Gannon hater, because I'm not. I'm I'm different than everybody else on this one. Um, he will be judged by how the safeties play this year. I do believe that. Because mm -hmm. it is a questionable position, even though you and I both like Blankenship. He is a first-year full-time starter, and then we got no idea what he's going to do with the other three safeties, how he's going to deploy them. Um I think that that is the position he will be most judged by. How about you? I I think, yeah, safety just edges out linebacker for me. I think safety just edges out linebacker, barely. But the thing that's going to be interesting here is the bottom line is your safeties haven't played together. That's the bottom line. Whether it's you know any of the three and Reed Blankenship, they have not played together. Now, I know that they've practiced together. I know that they've been in the meeting rooms together. I know that they've probably sat next to each other in the cafeteria, but they haven't been on the football field playing an NFL game together. So what bothers me is the communication, because that's really what you're going to have to try to break through, and Sean Desai is going to have to do that, not only with his safety position, but also a guy that only had 34 snaps. He's a middle linebacker last season. Now he's going to be calling those plays again. So the communication on defense, oh, and on top of that, you have a new defensive coordinator. So I am very curious to see how that all works out on game day. I know we had a little sample size with it offensively between Brian Johnson just trying to call plays. So cool. That's good. But as far as trying to get the plays into this safety, uh, this core safety group, your middle linebacker now is doing it for the first time. That all hasn't been on the same page yet other than practice. And I know that's not a, a crazy thing to overcome. But it is something – it's at least a box I'd like to check off before the, the actual season has started, and the Eagles aren't going to get that opportunity. So that is a concern when I look at the safety position that hasn't played together. And then I also take it a step further and go, well, hold on a second. If they're having that communication issue, now they have a new guy as the general of the defense in Nicobe Dean, and that communication hasn't been established yet either, that, that does give me a little cause for concern. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's all going to come down to how Sean Desai has prepared the guys to get ready for that moment when it matters most. The reason why I uh, have a little bit more concern about the safeties and the linebackers is the fact that yeah, I'm just that big a Kobe Dean fan. I think he's going to step in. I think he'll be as good as Edwards was. And Edwards was damn good, by the way. Uh, so I think he'll be the captain of the defense and uh, he'll hold up his end of the bargain. 
I don't have as much confidence, including Reed Blankenship, in any of the safeties. I don't know okay. that any of them will be as good as Nicobe Dean. And here's where I think Sean Desai may throw everybody a curve, and I'd be very interested to see it if he chooses it. Do you use that other safety position as a rotational position? That you have guys coming in and out depending on matchup, uh, down in distance. Because last year, when CJGJ was healthy, he played every snap. Epsi mm-hmm. played every snap. When CJG went, went out, uh, Reed Blankenship came in and played every snap. They did not have it as a uh, situational substitution position at all. Most teams in the NFL do not use uh, situational substitutions at the safety position. Could Sean Desai be a little bit of a groundbreaker there and uh, rotate Evans and Edmonds and Brown depending on the situation? Yeah, I don't know. Groundbreaker sounds way too complimentary. Um, I think that that might be the situation. The out Eagles of necessity have, is what you're saying, Yes. yes. Look, I was I watched CJGJ last night, and I look. I know he said terrible things about Philadelphia. He called us bad names, whatever. I don't care. The guy can play football. He had a nose for being around the football, and I love that he went over to the sideline and he was talking jive to Andy Reid there on the sideline. I thought that was great. But the Eagles are going to miss that. I I don't think they have a guy in this unit right now that can do that right now. Maybe Sidney Brown can do it by week seven. I think he's got the greatest chance of doing it, of being your every every day, or excuse me, every down safety, more or less. But I do think they're going to mix it up. I think you're going to see Justin Evans come down and play the box. I remember talking to you guys before about Justin Evans coming here, and they want that versatility. They want a guy that's not afraid to go up and play in the box. They want a guy that's not afraid to drop back, obviously, in coverage either. And they have two guys that can do that kind of in Edmonds and uh, and uh, Justin Evans. But I think ultimately they're just trying to prep that position and have it be ready to be taken over by Sidney Brown, hopefully at the latest by midway through the season. But to answer your question, yes, you're going to see a rotation. You're going to see whatever the game is dictating. The, the, the way the game is going will dictate, or what the offense is doing, it will dictate who Sean Desai has there at the opposite safety position to read Blankenship. Um, can I ask – let me – I want to ask this question to you. As, yeah. as a fellow Nicobe Dean fan, okay, you and I have expressed our uh, confidence in Nicobe Dean. Mm-hmm. I am very much looking for I, – I don't – there's not too many matchups that I would like to see week one more so than this Patriots-Eagles matchup in week one solely because of the test of the linebacker. Bill O'Brien is not an idiot. Bill O'Brien's done, had a fine career for himself, even becoming a head coach for six-plus seasons with the Texans, uh, won a couple playoff games down there, obviously has experience at the college level, as we all know. But the the Patriots last year were, like for as well-coached a team as they're supposed to be under Bill Belichick, how moronic was it to really not have an offensive coordinator last year? And then you saw the the, the hit it made to Mac Jones's season, and, and the hit it took – to the uh, Patriots' offense. They scored 17 fewer offensive touchdowns last year than they did the previous season. That's a horrific drop. But now you have Bill O'Brien calling plays. So if you're Bill O'Brien and you're at least at least of sound mind as an offensive mind in the NFL, right, you're going to probably r- be running quite a bit to start out the game. You're going to want to test the linebackers. Stevenson's going to be running the football a lot. And then you're going to see if you can get N'Kobe Dean to over-pursue. You're going to see if you can get Hunter Henry open in the flat. You're going to see if you can get Hunter Henry open downfield, if he's going to be matched up on Zach Cunningham or uh, Christian Ellis. And you're going to be setting up that play action as the game goes on. 
So if you have big questions about the linebacker position, and, and I still have questions. I got confidence, but I still got questions as to whether or not they can actually do it. To use your words, Jody, you actually got to see it. I'm curious to see how they're going to just try to get over something simple, something they've seen before but just haven't seen it from Bill O'Brien yet, how they're going to get past play action, how they're going to cover the tight end, and how they're going to stop the run when it comes to the linebacker attempting to stop the run when it comes to what Stevenson could do. So I look at this matchup as a good first test. Even though Bill O'Brien will be an upgrade from what they did last year, that was just hubris on the part of Belichick. I'm Bill O'Belichick. I'm smarter than you. I'll prove it to you by doing something that's out of left field. Oops, didn't work, Bill. You might be the greatest coach of all time, but it doesn't mean everything. You're not mighty. It's not everything you touch turns to gold. And I do like Bill O'Brien better. I I just don't love the Patriots' talent level. On the offensive line, Mac Jones is good. Mac Jones is solid. He's, uh, I would say, an a above slightly above average quarterback i don't love their wide receivers Uh, i guarantee you that bradbury doesn't hold juju smith schuster at any point in this game coming up on sunday i got a couple nice tight ends i'm a gasicki guy i don't know why the dolphins didn't retain him but i like gasicki too yeah who's who really is gonna make the eagles pay a massive price who's gonna be the game breaker by the patriots on offense on sunday i don't believe there is one that's why uh, I think yeah. they'll be able to keep the Patriots under three touchdowns. Well, you like, I mean, but let's just put it like this. Yes, I, I have the Eagles winning this game, but the the matchup, if you're going to exploit something, you're going to use Stevenson. You're going to try to beat the linebacking core. You're going to use Hunter. You're going to try to beat, you know, Cunningham and Ellis. You want to test that matchup right out of the gate, don't you? I think, I think if you're Bill O'Brien and you're sitting in the meeting room and you're like, okay, what can I look at here? All right, well, I got to test the Kobe Dean, see what he's got. All right, fine. We're going to run the football a little bit, set up play action. And then we're also going to have Hunter Henry run around and see if he can be able to beat these tight ends. They're going to be, or excuse me, beat these linebackers. They're going to have him in coverage. Like those are the two things that I look at where it'll raise my eyebrows if the Eagles get beat in that situation in those matchups, but they're not going to get beat in the game overall. That's the only thing I'm saying. Mark Farzetta in for John McMullen for our number two here on Birds 365. We got to get Farzy on the record. Uh, John and I went through our playoff teams in our number one. My Super Bowl, Eagles, Jets, all green Super Bowl. McMullen's got Bengals, 49ers. Wah, wah. So we'll get uh, Farzad on the record where he thinks Eagles record's going to be, who's going to be coming out in the playoffs. We'll come right back here on Birds 365. passionately go fearlessly go confidently go first 
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Mark Boyzett is sitting in for John McMullen here on Birds 365. Yeah, we're getting ready for the Eagles and the Patriots, but it's not just week one. It's going to come on Sunday, and we'll be back here next week to talk about it. If the Eagles win, that's great. If the Eagles lose, we'll figure out why. But then they're going to play 16 more games and hopefully into the postseason and hopefully victorious in the postseason and get to a game come uh, mid-February. I'm going to ask Mark Farzetta about how uh, realistic that is in just a second. But I want to get your take on a particular player on the opposition on Sunday because we got two varying degrees from our guests, the two separate guests this week on uh, how viable a player is going to be on Sunday. And I referred to... Ezekiel Elliott of the of the uh, New England Patriots, who we've known forever as Ezekiel Elliott of the stinking Dallas Cowboys. Um, Cowboys uh, cut him, let him walk away, held out for a while to get a specific level of payday. The Patriots finally got to his number at $6 million, which some people think, what happened to the devalued running back position? If Zeke's still worth $6 million, well, Zeke at the top of his game is worth more than $6 million. He's uh-huh. not at the top of his game anymore. And we're seeing the tr- wear on the tread on the tires. I get that. But two separate guests that we had this week. Jeff Kirk came on and called Ezekiel Elliott the worst back in the National Football League. A little surprised by that. <laughs> and we had Adam Kaufman on from WBZ up in Boston who said he thought Ezekiel Elliott could be a James White type back. For the Patriots, you remember James White? He was one of Brady's favorites. Yeah, of course. Backfield, yeah, catching passes. One of one of the best receiving backs in a National Football League. I think they're both nuts. <laughs> I don't think Ezekiel Elliott's the worst back in the National Football League. It's Kirk yeah. them. And Adam, I'm sorry, 
Zeke just isn't the guy you want to throw the ball out of the backfield to anymore. When he first came into the league, yeah, a young kid coming out of Ohio State, 60, 70 grabs, over 500 yards. It's been a while since he's had any kind of season like that. Now, the last couple of years in Dallas, if they're going to throw the ball to a back out of the backfield, they were going to do it to Pollard because he was more explosive. So mm-hmm. that number got cut down pretty precipitously, and I would understand why. Just because they're going to think about using him more than Ramondre Stevenson out of the backfield, that means he's going to be really good at it and make people forget James White. I don't believe that for a millisecond. So my question to you, Mark Farzad, is – What's Ezekiel Elliott going to do against Eagles on Sunday? Nothing much. <laughs> I mean, let me just address the takes for a second. Were they trying to outtake, like out hot Absol- take one another? Absolutely not. <laughs> Neither of them were being one hundred percent honest. Okay, I just think they were be being one hundred percent foolish. <laughs> foolish, both of you. Shame. Uh, and I, I said as much to both of them when we I, had them on the air. I don't how many 28-year-old running backs in the NFL do you go, oh damn, I don't want to face that guy. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what Ezekiel Elliott is now. And he literally lost his job to Tony Pollard. Credit to him for getting six million. The fact that Saquon has 10 million and Ezekiel has six just does not seem like a fair competitive balanced market, but whatever. Um I don't fear Ezekiel. I don't think about Ezekiel. It's one of my favorite gifts or memes that gets put out there on social media all the time with uh, Don Draper and Mad Men and the guy walking on the elevator saying to Don Draper, I feel bad for you. And Don Draper looks at him and goes, I don't think about you. I don't think about Ezekiel Elliott anymore. Okay. And I haven't even dating back to the last couple of years here that he was with the, with the, with the Cowboys. He just hasn't been a big factor. He has been, if there's a poster child, although he just made $6 million at 28 years old, good for him. But if there was a poster child for, like, maybe you don't want to pay a running back, it's Ezekiel Elliott. Look at it. You got Tony Pollard not only getting paid, you got Tony Pollard making a Pro Bowl over Ezekiel Elliott. And that's why he's not even in Dallas anymore. So when I look at this particular game, I, nothing sets in with me with the Bill Belichick rotation of running backs where everybody seems to get the last drops out of the – Bill Belichick is able to get the last drops out of running backs. I don't think that happens with Ezekiel Elliott. I think Stevenson is a guy that will be their number one guy without question. He'll he'll get catches. He'll run between the tackles. He'll bounce it outside. Ezekiel Elliott is just is just there to get a couple carries. I look at Ezekiel Elliott like in this in this Eagles running back room. Who's he getting touches over? Maybe Boston Scott. Maybe, but probably not. Not I mean, he is so yeah. far down the list. If you're playing the Giants, you know it's Boston Scott. No, if you're playing the Giants, might, exactly. I might yeah. take him over Boston Scott, yes. Yeah, but I did, like, I don't – why would I think – I know they got, they got what, two running backs on the roster right now. I He's one guy that I just – I don't even think that Bill Belichick or Bill O'Brien can squeeze any positive drops out of him or whatever he has left in the tank. All right, I will try and top both Jeff Kerr and uh, Adam Kaufman <laughs> with a hot take here. Oh, Okay. The only running back that will score a touchdown in Sunday's game will be Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, listen to you. Listen to you. (laughs) That Jalen Hurts will either throw two and run one, Uh. throw one and run two himself, don't necessarily believe any maybe swift catch maybe kenny gainwell catches one of those two touchdown passes maybe they don't i'd kind of lean toward goddard smith uh, and aj brown catching the touchdown passes 
And the one thing that Elliott was good at still last year with the Cowboys was goal line. He has the ability to run through and over guys, and I think the Patriots will use him in that way. So I expect him to score a touchdown on Sunday. I'll, I'll definitely go with that one. Uh, not, not even a hot take. I think Ezekiel Elliott will get a touchdown on Sunday. And he might be only be he might be the only running back touchdown scorer because I don't think that's how the Eagles are going to score on Sunday. I, I get my score by the way, and I'll get yours from you in a second at mm. twenty. I think it'll be uh, an Eagle victory, getting a cover, and the over is about forty-five and a half. So I think it's going to be an over too. I think Eagles win cover, and the game goes over. And uh, as I said to Mac, they averaged twenty-nine point one points per game last year. I'm rounding up. That's why I'm giving them 30. Eagles 30, Patriots 20. And one of those will be an Ezekiel Elliott touchdown. Because that's why I was taken aback by both of the guys. One made too much of them. One just stone cold buried them. I think he's still viable. And I wouldn't hmm. be surprised if he scored a touchdown against them. All right. So you need to get on the record. Eagles, you said your score is similar to John oh. McMullen, Not exactly the same. Ah. Eagles, Patriots Sunday. What do you got, Farce? I got the Eagles winning this game 27-21. That's my okay. final score for this one. They cover. You feel comfortable about it. There's a little leakage in the, the fourth quarter there. Uh, you, feel more, you feel more confident in the win going into the fourth quarter than you do by the end of it. Let's just say that they, 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 they come back. It's one of those games where it's the score. it doesn't seem as close as the score indicates. But I think final score is 27-21. The Eagles win this one. And – if we got, if do we have time? Can I can I throw you sure. one scenario? I want to ask this question. I don't think we've talked about this yet. But let's you you brought up Jalen Hurts and rushing for a touchdown, running a touchdown. Am I crazy, Jody, for this particular very specific thing? So the the idea of Jalen Hurts running less has obviously been discussed throughout the offseason. I'm fine with when he runs. It's the called tush pushes that especially at the goal line that that sometimes get me okay and here's what i mean by that eagles getting a goal line scenario you know it's first and goal from the half yard line whatever a lot of times it feels like the eagles would just go right to the touch push and get the touchdown or come come up short because they know what's coming they actually stop it very rarely do they ever stop it but am i crazy just to make one i feel it's a small request on that first play at the goal line is it crazy to just maybe hand the ball to rashad penny or Kenny Gainwell, or DeAndre Swift, as opposed to have the first thing with your quarterback going headfirst to the pile? Is that is that crazy? Is that too cautious? Or is that something that just totally makes sense? No, I got no problem with them just letting Jalen do it. He's mm. that good. Who oh, he I, is! Which is why it's I there think, for the second down. I think he is the strongest runner on this football team. You can have Rashad Penny. You can have Kenny Gainwell. You can have uh, Swift. Yeah, and, and I like Boston Sky. I think he's a little tough guy. If I just want to say who's going to be able to move the defender with his physicality more than anyone else on the Eagles team, it's Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to score a touchdown. I want my guy who can move the pile more than anybody else to be the guy to move the pile getting into the end zone. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good with Jalen Hurts doing it. Now, I hope they work. Now, the Eagles do little less is more, less practice. Hopefully he and Dallas Goddard or whoever else they're going to use for the pushing aspect behind him are on the same page. The last thing I want to see is hurt friendly fire hurts yeah. get hurt from behind by the guy that's pushing him into the end zone. 
Johnny Mac and I talked about this extensively, and we're on the exact same page. The whole should the tush push be banned? It's an aesthetically ugly play. It's more rugby than football, all that stuff. Um, and people defending it because it's that good here in Philadelphia. The Eagles make it work more than anybody else. John and I both agree. If they had banned it, it would have benefited the Philadelphia Eagles because Hurts can do it by himself. He doesn't need the push aspect of the tush push. He get it done by himself. Other teams who will now copy the Eagles might need it more and might benefit from it more. So if they had banned it, I think it would have actually been good. John and I both would have been good for the Eagles. They didn't, which means it's going to be guided pushing them. Just please, Dallas, make sure you don't hurt. I, and I, I'm very little worried about this. I think Goddard knows he's his meal ticket, too. He's going to want to keep him on the field. He's going to make sure that he does it perfectly and helps him get into the end zone without putting him at a physical risk. Yeah, no, I think he's going to do it. And I uh, here's one thing I take Sirianni at his word. When Jalen got the big contract, first time the coach talked there after, he said, well, you're going to run Jalen less now because you're guaranteeing X amount. He said, why would I take his superpower away? Right. I believe that 100%. There's no way they're going to cut back. If they cut back on his rushing attempts this year, it'll be happenstance more than a plan to do it, and we must protect them. No, they want him to continue to be the offensive player that he is. All right, so you got the Eagles winning week one. How many times you got them winning out of 17 games, Farzetta? Uh Last time I went through the schedule – Right. Last time I looked at this, uh, I think I had the Eagles around 12 wins and I'm still I'm still right there. Um, Here's I think- what we do. Let me, let me interrupt you. I yeah. do this all the time. Been doing it on radio for 30 plus years. If 12 is your number, I'm telling you it can't be 12. You either okay. have to go up to 13 or back to 11. Which way are you moving off the not happening 12 wins of the Eagles? I'm moving up. I'm moving up. I will put it at at least 12, but they're winning 13, baby. I think they're winning 13. Yes, yeah, so I, I, you and I are on the exact same page. I said okay. 12, but if you got to move it, I would move it up, which makes it a strong 12. Mm-hmm. I'm at a strong 12. I love like that. You're at a strong 12. It is uh, a strong I'm, 12 and a weak 12. I'm uh, at 12, but you think it's not going 12. It's got to go back. Oh, it's 11. You're either a strong or a weak 12. Both are a strong 12. That's good. Yeah. Is that enough to win the NFC East? Yes, it's enough to win the NFC East, uh, especially because I think they're going to have the divisional. They're going to have the divisional edge over the Giants. I think they split with the Cowboys, but I think they beat the Giants and the Commanders twice. Um, I hate saying anything about splitting with the Cowboys because that means you lose to the Cowboys at some point. Uh, but I think it will be enough to win the NFC East, and I will sit on that. I will call it. Let's call it a cocky twelve. They're definitely going to get thirteen. They, uh, they, but yeah. they owe the Commanders who beat them in their own house last year. Oh boy, do they? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm with them beating them twice. Is 12 and 5 enough with tiebreakers potentially being taken into consideration? Is that going to be enough to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs? Yes. Uh, well, throughout the playoffs, no, I don't think so. Um, All right, well, then who's got uh, the number one seed in the NFC? I think it will be San Francisco. I, I hate to go with it, but I think it is going to be San Francisco. going to win that game here in December. No, they're not going to win that game in December. That that game is there for the Eagles to cause controversy for the rest of the nation that are going to be favoring and just slobbering all over the uh, the 49ers this season. So that game, a thousand billion percent, now, the wait, Eagles wait, are going wait, to take wait, home. Wait, 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 wait. You, you, you're, you're putting poor, poor slobbering. 
false narrative. What? Who's slobbering over Bryce Purdy? I'm saying Please by that time. Who is slobbering over Bryce Purdy? Aren't, wait, hold on. Maybe I got my Max confused here. Maybe I got my Max confused here. Is it you or is it John Besides me, who is slobbering (laughs) over Brock Purdy? It's not him. It's slobbering over the the, the Kyle Shanahan character. It's slobbering over Christian McCaffrey. It's slobbering over that defense. Everything. Slobbering is only dictated when you're Oh, but they love the Cinderella. You're acknowledging as a player. Which I sure am. You're right. I'm a Brock Purdy guy. Very few others are. Yes. I don't see the slobbering. Oh, there should be slobbering. Well, here's what it comes down to. Here's what it comes down to. Okay, are you either the can't the Cowboys camp count cancels each other out? So then it becomes the Eagles or the 49er camp. And who are you gonna pick if you're the nation? You're not picking the Eagles because God forbid you say nice, something nice about Philadelphia. So you're gonna talk about the poor little oh, little 49ers and how they had 17 quarterbacks injured last poor, year poor, and they had no, to go to the sisters of the poor, poor to play quarterbacks. That Mark Parzez painting that they never get any national respect from the I don't media. Know if, yeah, 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 that's right. Stop. I don't know if you heard about this. Defending, uh, people are like defending us. NFC champions. They're getting plenty of respect. Oh, and they, 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 they the nation is rooting for the throne. We shall see. Uh, I think the championship game will be here mm. in Philadelphia because the Eagles will win that regular season game. I think that uh, the 49ers and Eagles will finish with the same 12 and 5 record, but the Eagles will have the game here in Philadelphia because they win that December game. And it won't be because Brock Purdy goes 12 of 28 with two picks. <laughs> It'll be because Jalen Hurts goes nuts against that yeah. uh, San Francisco defense. All right, mm. McDonald and Farzetta. Mac and Mark coming back to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Mark Farzett in for Johnny Mac here on Birds 365. Last couple of minutes before we put a wrap on the week and get ready for the Eagles and the Patriots come Sunday. Uh, one quickie here before uh, we wrap this bad boy up. The Yellow Ranger on our comment section here on the stream. I don't know him. We got a bunch of guys who are on here every single day whose names I recognize. I don't know if I've ever seen the Yellow Ranger before the- who said, Jody, the Eagles are constantly getting disrespected. Yeah, Jody. I'm going to have to prove him wrong. Um, do, do you perchance know Mark Farzetta, who Peter King predict to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC? Peter King. And I might know him from... Okay. <laughs> no, he predicted the Eagles. He said the Eagles are like the deepest team ever. And blah, 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 blah. Right. Yes. He uh, won, won, won nice national Peter man. King slash... Uh, yeah, yeah. Most respected NFL media person in the country, one man's opinion, but that's just predicted not only an Eagles make the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts wins the MVP while he's at it, and Jalen Carter wins defensive rookie of the year. Oh my God! How dare Peter King disrespect the Eagles like that? Picking them to win the Super Bowl, picking the player to get the MVP, picking their rookie to get the defensive rookie of the year. What the fuck is wrong with you, Peter King? How can you do that to the Philadelphia? Stop it. Yellow Ranger and the rest of you. Oh, poor ridden Philadelphia fan. We're always disrespected. You got to actually take account of what's being said. Jody. I know there have been times where Philadelphia's been disrespected, mm. and you could have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Mm. But in this season, Mark, pick whichever one you want, Mark. CBS, ESPN. Uh, Yahoo, uh, whoever you want, go look up where their power ranked mm. and then look up where their power ranked next week. Oh, by the way, they're second in almost every power ranking behind only the Kansas City Chiefs, who, oh, by the way, lost last night and are going to fall a little bit. So when next week, after the Eagles beat the Patriots by double digits this week, where do you think they're going to be ranked on most of the nationally accredited uh, sites and power rankings? Jody, I don't know if you read ballsacksports.com, but they said the Eagles are going to suck this year. So I don't don't know. I don't even know if they write football. I just heard the name before. Um, But Yellow Ranger, first off, great name. Great name. Uh, Second, Jody, I think what it comes down to more is that when we watch these games this season and we hear the national announcers talking about the teams, it's not going to be about – the, the, the preseason rankings that already have gone out the window because the season started. It's going to be about what story they want to fall in love with. 
And the story they're going to want to fall in love with above anybody else, unfortunately, is going to be the San Francisco 49ers. So I think what I'm why? doing, why what Yellow you, Ranger why, is why doing, would you, why would it's, you a preemptive, it's a preemptive strike against the, 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 the national criticism we know we're going to get during the course of the season. That's what it comes down to. But and I don't believe Peter King. I don't believe you're going to go there. You got to have some reasoning behind it. Well, the reason Why behind do it, you think that the national media will bend over backwards and or be uh, inaccurate or make stuff up. Oh, no, no, it's not. I'm not saying make. No, 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 no. It's not going to be making anything up. And it's it's all going to be what they're actually watching. And nothing of it's going to be made up. But when it comes to favoritism. I think the national people are going to be looking at the San Francisco Niners as the much better story because look, it's a lot. It's a lot of the things that we even love in Philadelphia. There's an underdog story there. There's an underdog element when it comes to the quarterback. And let's not make any bones about it. They have Jalen a Jalen Hurts got a, too good for his own good. Is that what you're telling us? Because uh, he was the number two quarterback. He's not an underdog story anymore. Not, a second not, round draft no, pick? not even close. Not not really? anymore. Absolutely not. He's been to a Super Bowl already. He already beat that San Francisco 49ers team, and he has already cashed in as one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. So, no, not a chance. But the Brock Purdy story is beautiful. The story but just about that defense, what that defense is going to be able to do is going to be an incredible thing. The money that has gone into Nick Bosa is an incredible thing. And then you also look at everybody's favorite in Christian McCaffrey running out of the backfield, catching passes, and being an anchor for that offense. I think the national media will flood to that when the season starts because – they are not, to your point, Jody, to your point, they are not expected to be as good as the Eagles right now. But when the season starts, they start winning and they start bringing in that national audience. That's where the storyline will go. And here's where I'll go with you on the factual idea. I've been in those meetings. I've been on that truck. I have been for the, I've been with people that root for that underdog story. The Eagles are no longer the underdog story. The Cowboys won't even be the underdog story. The next best thing will be with the San Francisco 49ers bring. The only team that could really compete against it, the only team, nationally speaking, is the Seattle Seahawks. It's the only team that, that could embrace that storyline. That's what the national people all root for. That's why a lot of people right now in the early season goings aren't just looking at the Eagles. They're looking at the San Francisco 49ers to make a bigger splash and be a better story than the Eagles. Why do you think the uh, Seahawks would be a good underdog story? Because they still like Geno Smith from last year. I don't believe I've told you before. Uh, I don't I don't like I think I, what they have brought in in the offseason is a great story. And I just happen to also know that. The national people love that stadium. That stadium is its own uh, its own Game character in a sitcom. National people that they're determining what they should be saying by the fact that they're in a fun stadium. I, <laughs> I, I hope that. And you're you're right. You were in the truck. You were there. You were with them. I hope they're better than that. That you're. You, this you is a fifth option. Be dictated by how loud <laughs> the environment that you're in is. That's that's pretty damn weak. If that's the case, it's a I, good character on a sitcom, Jody. You got to think of it like that. You're uh, watching a television production. The NFL is a reality show, not a sitcom. But uh, we'll <laughs> leave it at that. Mark Frazetta, we appreciate it. Whenever you jump in, did an outstanding job today. Thanks, brother. Always great, my friend. Thanks so much, Jody. Thanks everybody in the chat, especially. Uh, the, the yellow ranger, yellow rangers, an idiot. Um, but you got uh, <laughs> upcoming Philadelphia Phillies post stuff. Oh, I, I literally missed it last night with the, the off day. I, I missed the Phillies. We're back at it tonight. 705 start time for the game. I'll be on the fightings post game show right here on the Jacob media YouTube channel following the game, reacting to hopefully what will be a, uh, series game one win over the, uh, Miami Marlins tonight. That would be here tonight on the Jacob media YouTube channel. All right. Come Monday, I'm going to be here. I know that for a fact. Will McMullen be here? 
We got no bloody idea. His travel plans are still very much up in the air. Could Farzetta be back with me? Oh, yeah, that's a distinct possibility. So here's what you're going to have to do. Chill for the next couple of days. Enjoy the birds on Sunday. We'll be back here probably talking about a win on Monday. Who is we? We don't know yet. You're going to have to tune in and find out on Monday. Mac will be back. That's for sure. Who will be with me? Find out on Monday, which is two and two days from now. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.